talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun. As I'm joined again by my friend Peter, who is already laughing. I'll tell you, Svi, it, it, it's funny. I'm listening to Havanagila. Football's coming up, you know, later today. It's the great Super Bowl weekend. Super Bowl weekend. And, you know, with so many things going on that we're going to share with our audience today, why don't we give them a little taste of what we're going to expect? Okay, today lots of stuff happening. Today we'll, uh, we're going to get into my trip up north. Oh, okay. We had a great time. That's northern Michigan. We had enough snow for some snowmobiling and tubing and, and some horseback riding. But the main thing we'll get into is what I did with my, not my full family, some of them are married, but right. many children cooped up in a house for a good 25, 26 hours. Okay. We'll get into that later. Sounds great. We may touch on, if we get into the Super Bowl, another super, which I thought was today, it's happening next week, is the Federation Super Sunday, a major fundraising event, which I get involved in. I go make phone calls. There's hundreds of people. It's a beautiful event just to raise charity for numerous organizations in the Detroit, Metro Detroit area, Israel as well. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Yisro, Jethro. It's going to meet Moses. It's going to join the Jewish people. We're going to talk about uh, coming to Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments is on tap. And we're going to try to explain to you a story that happened this week where a lady attempted to bring a peacock, a large peacock. Was she part of the NBC crew? She, not according to my research. Oh, hard to okay. know, but not according to my research. And she had actually bought a seat. I don't know how she's going to seatbelt a peacock. I, don't, I have no idea. But she said it was a comfort animal, and therefore United <laughs> had to allow her on the plane with her peacock. Peacock. So the real question is, what does that have to do with this week's Torah portion? Okay, and of course I know I'm drinking a cup of coffee. Yes. Um, my cup of coffee right yes, here. Yes, yes. And good. we have a little challenge, it sounds like, somewhere on the West Coast about me drinking my coffee. Oh, they have... It's like cigarettes. You could drink your cup of coffee, but we're going to get a big warning label on our mugs. Right now I'm going to have to add on to my mug. It says hot. Yeah, no, that's a McDonald's problem. <laughs> but we need to get a – I remember that story. I do, sir. Put it, but she put it between her legs. I mean. Remember that story. Okay. And, yeah, it's amazing what you can sue people for. Yes. But we're going to get a, a warning for the carcin car carcinogens. Thank carcinogens, you very much. yes. This. By the way, put that mug back up. Oh, my mug? They need to see that. See now, you got to turn. There's mug. that beautiful picture. Here, my, my picture? Your picture. Let's my talk picture Torah. Let's talk Torah. And how mug. do we find out about Let's Talk Torah? Well, we can find out about Let's Talk Torah by, first of all, going to the new radio media website, which is the best way to get onto the show. Either go to newradiomedia.com, go onto the community link, then link down to Let's Talk Torah, all about the show. All the archives, we can always check out. You can listen. I do it now all the time. Plug my phone in. Listen to myself talk. And is this an anniversary show for you? This is actually my 25th show. 25th. Which is Like good. silver. Like silver. Like high-hole silver. Like high-hole silver. Like silver bullets. <laughs> like um, I'm expecting some type of silver on the way out. Yeah, a little Kessov. Yeah. A little Kessov. <laughs> That's not our letter of the week. No, we'll get to that letter. We do have a letter, though, don't we? We have a letter of the week. Yes. We have a special word of the week for an upcoming holiday. That will work out quite well. Great. Great. Um, so I want to go back up north. Let's go you back know, up north. This is, this is Michigan. That's Michigan. There's yeah, my favorite Michigan. Right, Michigan. your palm. My palm. 
So you were way up here near Charlevoix, I understand. Right. I'm up near Charlevoix. Ellsworth, was it? Ellsworth. Ellsworth. About, about 50 miles from the bridge. UP. Yep, from the bridge. Which I've actually never crossed the bridge. Just remember, if you're 50 miles from the bridge, you're 50 miles then from Traverse City. Because it's 100 miles from Traverse City oh, so I was in to the, the bridge. You're in the middle. So I've been in Traverse City also. It depends okay. where I take my kids tubing. On Sunday, we go tubing. It's it's a great sport. It is. You get in the tubes, and you and you, and you hold the ropes, and you go down, and they're laughing and having fun. And most yes. important is you're low to the ground. Very low. Unlike skiing, where people sort of break things. Well, yeah, your, your tuchus meets the snow. Yeah, now, that happened to have happened also. <laughs> As I'm pulling the kids down for the last one down, I I jump into my tube. Yes. And I bounce out. Yes. And I hit the floor. And I'm laughing. And they go without me. And sure enough, my my trusted GoPro camera, which I'm holding, got a perfect, (laughs) perfect clip of me bouncing in the tube onto the ground and then at least getting up and smiling and chasing after five or six more tubes. I think it's great. Yeah, it was fantastic. So you also went horseback riding? They had horses for the little kids. Oh, okay. Friends farm. Right. They had snowmobiles, mm-hmm. just enough snow. Great. Take the kids. The um, for the most part, um, only my teenagers can drive themselves. Correct. My sixth grader, fifth grader. So I let her control the You're snowmobile. Not, I mean, right. I was sitting in the back. Right. And she's, you know, I'm trying to hold my hands on it. So it doesn't go too far, and she's just hitting the gas and. <laughs> She wasn't. She. I guess she didn't know how to actually hit it all the way, so it would be flying. That, which is good. Which is good for me. <laughs> like flying off the back, that's uh, not so helpful. But what's the the best part about the trip? I mean, the kids love all the the winter sports we do. We have to hang out for twenty five, twenty six hours, pretty much in the house. Shabbat. It's Sabbath, which is one of the Ten Commandments. Correct. And we 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 enjoy. If it's if you can imagine this, I can. We can enjoy our company, and we 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 unplug. So when we unplug, <laughs> well, I mean definitely we unplug. But can you share with everybody at New Radio Media one of the great things that you do during that time? Sure, but just in case I forgot to give you my phone number, just in case you, <laughs> you want to call, call in <laughs> now that Ashley is protecting my phones. And how wonderfully with done with her hat. <laughs> Cover hat, yes. Cover last week. Thank you. Um, you can call us at 844-999-9249. 844-999-9249. So let me explain to you what unplug means. Tony, you're gonna you're not gonna <laughs> know it hits you when I finish with this. First of all, cell phones are off. Now continuing from last week's uh, you know, when my we had a discussion with my children about the olden days. <laughs> I can't remember, was that with you, Peter? Yes. Okay. Well, actually, no. Last week it wasn't like it was two weeks, two weeks ago. Because last week I think we had a different guest in the studio. Yeah, we had a different guest, a different yeah. friend of mine. Yes, yes Steve. Old Ch- Chathams. Steve Weisberg. Steve Weisberg. Yeah, good guy. We had a good time with him. He'll come join us again. Excellent. Yeah, he was good. So um, no cell phones, no computers, no television, no television, no internet, no iPads, no, no turning the lights off and on, no turning the stove on. No making scrambled eggs for breakfast. Now, it's a little old-fashioned, but if you were to write, you don't write notes. You it, you really are just going to hang out with family. So we make sure we bring up games. That's interesting, by the way. I just saw this. Germany actually mm-hmm. has a different style game than American games. 
Did you know that? No. I'm, right. I'm following you. I'm trying to follow you right, on so this So, for one. example, okay. a, 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 a standard American game, Monopoly. Right, board games. Board games, board games. Risk. Right. So, all those games, Tony, how do you win? Uh, you get to the end or you conquer the whole board. You got to conquer everybody. You got to take everybody's <clears> money. <throat> the only way to play the game and win is basically to destroy everybody along the way. You got to compete. You got to compete. <laughs> you got to compete. That's, that is an American-style game. The, I don't know if it's European. This game is from Europe. But it's a European-style game. Is Everyone is building their own farm, train lines called Ticket to Ride we played. Where you, you, oh, Ashley likes that game. Oh, I am oh, getting good hand signals. She's getting good Ashley. nods. Good nods. You playing Ticket to Ride? Oh, she likes this game. I don't know if we can hear Ashley. We're going to try. Yeah, we hear you. Okay, I heard it. So it was a little low on my things. I heard you. Yeah. I heard it. It was a little low on my, on my headphones. The idea is, for example, in this game, you're going to complete a route, New York to, to L.A., uh, Miami to Toronto. So you're busy building your route. The next person is busy building his or her route. You could block somebody once in a while, but that's not the purpose of the game. You get blocked, you find another way around, you take more cards. We, of course, play with our own rules. Of course. So you finish three, <laughs> you take off all your pieces because you run out of pieces. Which right. It's supposed to end the game, but we don't do that. Take off your pieces, take another three cards. We played twice over the Shabbos. I think each game took two and a half hours. And you're so far along, you can't even keep track of how many points you have. 250, 270, nobody cares. Right. I finished first. I had this many points. I moved my thing down, so I had a few more points. So it's a very nice game to play because, yes, there's competition. Who finishes the most routes or, or who uh, has the most points? But th during the game itself, you're, you're almost doing your own thing, and you're playing with everybody going around, and, oh, I hope he doesn't take my slot or I hope he doesn't take my train and I need this card. It's, it's fun family time. Now, you have to be able, by the way, to do that, to be well, able to say, I am hanging out with my family and doing nothing else for the next three or four hours. We used to do that years ago. We would go to my grandmother's, but we would do the big puzzles, the thousand-piece puzzles on the dining room table. Right, right. Those are that, fun. Those were, that was like a staple every Saturday. Oh, you did it every week. Every week. She had puzzles. Yeah, if you can imagine nowadays, I mean, let's be honest, Tony. The last time family got together three or four hours without killing each other, <laughs> or the, Ooh, not man. eating, and not eating. Not eating either. doesn't count. No, 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 no. Doesn't count. And the famous thing. Is um. Well, I'd say it's actually pretty frequent for my family. It just because good. we go, uh, we go up north. We go up to a cabin that we have. Uh, it's in the Ludington area, and. Great. Uh, very yeah, nice. we there's no internet, no TV up there, so oh, just, I love it. You got to hang out, and <laughs> figure great. out, figure out what to do. <laughs> I take my kids for a walk. Well, the They're, walk is great. The walking is great. The weather, you're, you had great weather, didn't you? Beautiful weather, uh, enough snow that when the kids walked, the boots fell off once in a while, and and but it, it's real family time, and. Even when we're taking walks, I can tell them different laws that affect the Sabbath that they like to know. But part of the Sabbath is, or a, a focal point is, we're done with working for the week. That's actually the mindset. Correct. I'm done with working for the week. I have time to study. I have time to hang out with my family. 
I have time to, and I was, because the whole week we're busy. I happen to have time for my family because of what I do. But for a lot of people, you know, they have visitation rights on weekends because, <laughs> you know, they're not working over the weekend. <laughs> so the Sabbath, which is one of the Ten Commandments, which was something I was able to focus on up north, was really, it's just a beautiful time. And the children, the kids have great memories. So how were they in the car driving home? So actually, uh-huh. we, we don't fit. We, <laughs> I used to have a 15-passenger van. Not the kind of vehicle to drive in the roads up north if there's any snow. Correct. But I used to anyways. And one time we drove up some hill and I was lost. We got <laughs> stuck. People came out. Uh, they were, I think they were at a party or something. Oh, the guy on top of this hill is going to be so mad at you. Guy comes out. He says, what's the matter? I said, you know, I need a tow truck to get out. Do you, uh, you have a good number? He gives me a tow truck. The guy comes. He gets me down the mountain. We get to, it wasn't in Traverse City either. Somewhere up there. Okay. He gets wherever we're going. But uh, that 15 passenger va- vehicle is long gone. So we have a smaller SUV. has about seat, seat seven, but we needed more. Plus, we needed all the stuff we bring up. All Correct. the food and, and the coats and the snow pants and the boots. So I, I rented a second car. So what we did was we put two children, actually three, because somebody got sick. Three kids came with me. <laughs> Another, I think either two or three were with my wife. We caravaned as we drove up until she got bored. She didn't like just following me, so she went ahead. <laughs> so um, so it, actually, they were more well-behaved. Well, that's great. Because there weren't so many people to fight with. Well, that's great. You know, being up north, it gives you a... A semblance of order. It gives you a peace time. It's it's that private time. Um, if nobody's been up north, then shame on them. But in the dead of winter, I used to work at a ski resort up there. So when there's no skiers and you're just packing the hills during the week, it is the the most peaceful time to be on a snowmobile. The snow is pristine, and it is just great. We were open on the weekends, so it was great. It's beautiful. Just to get out in nature, which we're going to talk about nature later. We neglected to mention that there's a holiday, holiday. last week. Right. Tu Bishrat, we'll talk about that, just uh, getting together with nature. We'll, uh, we'll do our best to get there as we, as we move along. You know, I think it's great. And, you know, you mentioned a little bit earlier, um, you know, about the Ten Commandments and the, uh, things like that. And that's going to swing me to something a little different. And I want to talk about Moses. Okay. Because at this point, you know, as we've been going from week to week and following the exodus of the Jewish people out of Egypt, and now we're in the desert, or we're going to get to that desert line, you know, and we got the Red Sea to deal with and everything, his father-in-law Jethro comes into the picture, and he plays a very uniquely strong role, but a very quiet role. Yes, Jethro, or known as Yisro, which is the name of last week's Torah portion. So he shows up. Moses, we never really get too deep into the story. When Moses is in his teens, he escapes Egypt. He makes his way to a place called Midian. He meets his future father-in-law, that's Yisro or Jethro. He gets married and then eventually makes his way back to Egypt. But I wanted to backtrack a little bit. Jethro originally was a famous advisor to the Pharaoh. He was a famous advisor. He and the two other people, Bilam, Job, so the, so the Medrash says, were advisors. And the Pharaoh was looking for ways to deal with the Jewish people. 
So, and they wanted to know what would be a safe way to attack the Jewish people, and God can't punish them. We've talked in the past, we all try to be smarter than God, and, and they decided in their conversation a, a good way to attack the Jewish people is through drowning. Since there was a flood and God promised never to bring another flood to the world, so, um, so we could drown the Jewish people, God can't, uh, can't go after us. So Yisro, as one of the advisors, says, you can't attack the Jewish people. You can't, you can't, do, you can't drown them, you can't kill them, you can't set up with them. We're only here because of the famous Joseph, which we talked about at length. So you can't, it's, it's just not right. It's the wrong thing to do. And of course, like all good advisors, you're, you get to hang out with the king as long as the king likes your advice. As soon as he doesn't <laughs> like your advice, it's time to retire. So Yisro and Jethro makes his way quickly out of Egypt. But, but, the, but he stood up for what he felt was right. And that reminded me, we talked about it before, Peter, you're going to help me out with this one. Um, there's something in the news this week that's been trending in the news uh, about a new law that Poland is working on uh, passing. It seems the Senate did pass it, the president has decided in. So, Peter, why don't you clue us in on that law, because we're going to talk about responsibility and doing what's right. Well, the Polish government, on a vote of 57 to 23, wants to change some definitions and phrases like Polish death camps to describe the concentration camps built and operated by the Nazis. When the Polish Senate voted that 57 to 23, it represented the wrong approach. Uh, and organizations like B'nai B'rith and others um, have heavily outspoken to this. Uh, B'nai B'rith, for example, believes it will have a, a chilling effect on Poland's examination of the country's wartime role. The law would cr- would criminalize not only the phrase the Polish death camp, okay, but any suggestion of the Polish complicity to the Holocaust. And that's the key piece right there. Right, because, I mean, Yad Vashem talks about this. I know the Holocaust Center in Washington, D.C. discusses it. This is another line, and I, and I have to be careful on how I say it, but UNESCO, when UNESCO started changing history with Jerusalem and the Mount and giving them Islamic names, and Mohammed came generations later than the temple, than Christianity, and all of a sudden UNESCO says, no, they're a, th- this is what it is. And now all of a sudden I think it's giving a, a, like a ricochet effect in a sense. Now Poland jumps into the game and says, you know, now's our time to reclassify what happened. Yeah, words are powerful. And if we can change, they don't, they're not worried about today. No, they know that people still remember today. But that generation's fading. Sure. And, th- and that generation will be gone in 10 years. Right. 10 to 15. But and all they'll know, they're going to read their books, they're going to read their history. And as far as they know, uh, they had nothing to do with the Holocaust. And I, again, I don't want to, I know Germany today came out and said we take full responsibility, we take full blame. But the fact of the matter is that when there's an invading country and they're trying genocide, if they do not have help from the regular populace, the regular population, there's no way they can be as successful as they would like to be. So, of course, I'm not trying to say that, that the people in Poland were completely responsible, but they certainly in that generation uh, were helpful 
and allowed the Germans to uh, basically wipe out three million Jews. And yes. that was and something I saw this week. Well, about, it's yeah. a very difficult, you know, it's a it's a difficult thing because there were a tremendous amount of polls that helped Jews, and there were it's like in any society, those that helped and those that didn't. All we're saying here is let us not forget the reality of what happened. Don't change history by changing terminology. Yeah, I mean, I think even, I mean, I hope, but even in Germany. But you're criminalizing it. it right. If you take responsibility so that at least that next generation, future generation say, okay, this was wrong. We have to learn what's right, what's wrong. As soon as I can say you didn't do anything wrong, you now have nothing to learn from. Well, but that's what I wanted with, with Yisro, that with Jethro, that he took responsibility. He said, this is wrong. Now, he's not starting up with the pharaoh, with the army, no. but he's going to make a stand, and he's going to pack out of town. And at least he understood what was right and wrong. He did. And, and I think there. well, we're going to continue this in a second, but he's, he was not one, you know, the old expression, I hear you versus I listen to you. Yeah. Okay, which we're going to get into a little bit more in a second. But he never said, in a sense, shall we, in today's world, boo to Moses about, you know, you ought to do this or you ought to do that. Okay. And Moses, you know, this is his father-in-law. Father-in-law. Father-in-laws, you know, and you don't need to know that. I mean, you're a father-in-law. I'm a father-in-law. You're a father-in-law. Did you get a card, by the way, for Father-in-Law's Day? I didn't know there was a father. Neither did I, but I just wanted to see if somebody sent you one. So far, you know, Hallmark has not figured out. How, how to make a father-in-law. Yeah, because the father-in-laws all want to be called fathers. Yeah, so Father's right. Day is included. I, I imagine um, that's how they, they take care of it. So interesting enough, this father-in-law, right. Jethro, hears. It says he hears about the splitting of the Red Sea. He hears how this nation, Amalek, came to do battle. And he did something no one else did. He acted on what he heard. Everybody else hears. It's nice. It's interesting. I'll check it out. I'll see it affects me in any way. But I'm going about my regular business. But he was the only one that heard. He was the only one that paid attention. Attention. And I guess that's what we want our, our audience at New Radio Media to really understand here. You know, when we talk about the show and everything, some of the stuff that uh, you share with our audience is so unique that sometimes it just goes by. They hear us. Are they listening? Are they hearing? And that's the question that took place with Yisrael. With Yisrael, yeah. And by the way, if you only listen the first time, you can always listen again on the archive. It's okay because the jokes don't get stale anyway. I know it. And how can they listen to us again? They can listen to us again. They can go to newradiomedia.com, um, I guess, and then go down to community, go down to Let's Talk Torah. They can get the app. At N, it's it's N R M streams Stream. with a Z. Z, and you'll see it's the same color. Beautiful as this. color, beautiful yeah, color. Greens and blues and whites, um, and you just click on that, and you can again, you can listen. And away you go. And you could, uh, you could it gets all archived. All the stuff is there. Or you could email us. We forgot my email. Oh, address. your email. That's right. My email address at let's talk Torah at gmail.com. or you can join my Facebook page. Somebody new joined my Facebook page just yesterday. I'm assuming because she listens to the show. Okay. I mean, it was a she. That's perfect. See, that's that's, that's we're, great. We're going to bring them all along. You got to check the Facebooks, too, to see if they're calling. You know, we found this out yesterday uh, when Paul Benzman and I were doing our other show, you know, Talking Biz. We were getting comments on Facebook. 
Really? So we had to take a look at our Facebook page at the same time in the studio to say thank you to people from New Jersey, from Florida. Cool. So people are sending us messages during the show, and we have to be aware of all that. So we'll let our wonderful staff, you know, keep tracking for us and let us know how we're doing. Cool. Amazing. Now, it reminded me there's very few father-in-law jokes. Did you know that? There's like lots of mother-in-law jokes. Okay, I, I've not heard a father-in-law Very joke few. at all. So, but here's one for you. All right, fire away. I, I think there's like two. Did you want a stage for this? No. Okay. I want like I want a, a drum roll. A drum when, roll. When they laugh. Oh, when they to laugh. Make sure they get the joke. Okay. Okay, here we go. All right. So Rachel tells her husband. She says, "You know, our future son-in-law is going to be coming for dinner. Maybe take him around the block, speak to him, find out what he's all about. A very studious fellow." Um, you can use different cultures. The Jewish culture one works pretty good. Sure enough, the son-in-law comes. The future father-in-law takes him for a walk, and he speaks to his son-in-law, and he says, so uh, I know you're very studious. You like to study all day. Um, how are you going to support my daughter? He says, don't worry. God will will help. <laughs> oh, great. And, you know, if my daughter likes jewelry, maybe a, an engagement ring and stuff. You, you got money for that? Don't worry. God will help. Wow, great! And you'll you'll have a family one day, and you know there's more expenses if you're going to keep studying. Like, what what's the plan? Don't worry, God will help. Okay. Rachel speaks to her husband later, and she says to her husband, "So, what do you think of our future son-in-law?" So he says, "Look, he seems like a nice guy, but one thing I can tell you, he thinks I'm God." <laughs> How true it is. How true Write it is. Write the check and keep it coming. How true it is. But Jethro gives advice to his son-in-law, and his son-in-law actually listens, which is a beautiful thing for my son-in-laws who are supposed to be paying attention now. Jethro gives advice to Moses. What's the advice? The, the Jewish people, it's debatable if the Torah portion is in exact order, but the Jewish people have lots of questions. What does God want from me? What are the laws? What do I have to do? And, and there's individual situations. So they line up. Miles of people line up. And Moses got to answer every single question. So his father-in-law says, my dear son-in-law, you're a great guy. And God talks to you and you're bringing down the Torah and you're amazing. But it's not going to work. I mean, I'm a little older than you. I, I, I'm telling you from experience. You can't deal with lines of people out the door. So what am I supposed to do? So we're going to have to set up a court system. A what? A court system. Levels of judges. Now, judges could mean that they have to judge innocent or guilty, or at the same time, just to be able to help people understand right and wrong. Because okay. they'll be knowledgeable in Torah law, right? For example, kosher. You could go to the judge to find out if something is kosher or not kosher. He has a he gets to wear numerous hats. He doesn't only deal with monetary matters or or uh, or car accidents or other stuff. They can but do don't it you again. find this so strange, you know, because when Moses was in Egypt as the prince, quote unquote, did he not delegate at the time responsibilities to different individuals to build? That wasn't. I mean, again, I'm not sure which. I always have to worry about which uh, video. I don't know. Prince video, he didn't. Moses didn't have a job in the desert of delegating. As a matter of fact, when he was there. He was a prince in Pharaoh's house. Right. He did go out to see what the Jewish people were doing. He was not a like an overlord. He wasn't commanding people what to do. 
He saw an injustice, and he kills an Egyptian. Has to run for his life. That we know. He comes back. It's he goes with his brother, but he's right. doing all the back and forth with Pharaoh. So there's really no delegation, and he takes the Jewish people out. They follow him out. They get to the Red Sea. Splits the Red Sea. So this is really his first true challenge of giving up authority, in a sense. Yeah. And the question is, they actually debate, was it a good thing? Okay. In other words, if you could go to the source, wouldn't you want to go to the source instead of going to an, I don't want to use the word underling, but some Secondary lower, line. Yeah, like, except that you just can't do it. It's just, it's just not possible. It's not one of the things that a regular person, even if Moses is not a regular person, he just can't do it. So there's actually a humongous amount of judges that are hired. The number is around 78,000 out of 600,000 men, 78,000, which means, by the way, that if you have a question or an issue, no long lines, no come back in three months. Everything is done immediately. But it reminds me of a story because even in the advice, so Jethro says to Moses, if it's a question, if it's a small question, a few dollars, don't bother yourself with it. Who say don't dray a cup. Yeah, don't make yourself crazy. Okay. If it's a big case, a million-dollar case, then, okay, that's a lot of money. you got to worry about it. So, um, interesting, America has that. Um, Everybody's waving at me behind the glass. I guess I'm supposed to wave back. You know who's that? You know who that is? Which one? That's my radio partner, Paul Benzman. Paul Benzman. I don't think the camera can see him. We don't want to see him. (laughs) Uh, They're on their way out, just in case. Okay. Just in case. Talking Biz with Paul Benzman. Talking Biz. Yeah. You got to check that out. I cannot tell you when that show is no, right now. No, but we do. Sabbath, you but can okay. find it on You can the, archive it. Archive it is archive. a great. It's definitely in the archive. Check it out on the archives. Okay, meantime. All right, the million dollar issue we can handle. Now, interesting enough, when Moses tells the judges the rule, he changes it a little bit. He doesn't say he large. He tweaks it? Yeah. He tweaks it. Tweaks it. He doesn't say large and small. No. He says easy and hard. He really says small and hard. Based on its importance. Based on its difficulty. Okay, challenge. You know, if it's a really hard question, mm-hmm. then you got to come to me. Okay. Because it's important, when, especially for judges. So I'm, giving, I'm taking money from this one, giving money to another one. It's not my money. I have to get it right. To say, well, it's only a little bit of money, who cares, is still, stealing is stealing. A nickel, a dollar, a hundred dollars. It's not so practical. As we, over the years, have gone to small claims courts, there was a very interesting law, which the judge didn't like, so we stopped going. But if you would get these phone calls, <laughs> you know, the, these, um, you get these phone calls from different companies, advertising, I don't remember what it is, you're allowed to tell them, please don't call me back. Right. If they call you back and you kept records, you're actually allowed to sue them. Correct. A few hundred dollars. So my wife did it a couple times, a few dollars in the bank account. And I guess they switched judges in Oak Park. She goes in again, and the judge says, I don't like this law. So my wife says, now, there's no lawyers in small claims Correct. court. Correct, right. Anything. Because the idea is it's just a few dollars, so who cares? That's what right. Jethro said. Who cares? So the judge says, I don't, this is not my kind of law. I don't like it, so even though you're right, you're going to lose. Even so, though it's on the books. Even though it's on the books. So the power of a lower court where that's not what Moses wanted. No. If it's right, he, it's important to get it right. So if it's an easy question, nobody cares how much money it is. And if it's a hard question, then I have to deal with it. That's how we're going to learn. 
So that that was the advice. So Jethro gives his his advice about the judges. Moses accepts. He finds people that are qualified to be judges. And from there, Moses gives his instructions. And it's to be noted that he listened, and I use the word listened, to his father-in-law's advice. Yes, very important. I don't think you don't have any. You're not a father-in-law yet, are you? I can't remember. You are a father-in-law. See? Twice. No wonder you keep repeating this. Twice. No wonder you're repeating it. Twice. Twice. That is a beautiful thing. Twice. Do they listen to you? Next question. Next question. You should tell them to listen to this week's show. No, they do. They do listen. They do listen. Just making Uh, sure. Both kids have birthdays coming up on the 7th and the 11th. Oh, happy Uh, birthday. Both my kids. 41 and 37. That is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Very beautiful thing. Two wonderful grandkids. Amazing, amazing. So as we move along, so we get to the Jewish people now arrive at Mount Sinai. We are getting ready for God to give the Torah to the Jewish people. The most amazing event in history. Hopefully, we'll have enough time to get there. We'll, we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. Or we'll just have to go overtime. Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> I just want to see what happens. Got a lot of funny faces. Oh, overtime. overtime. It's not football, you know. This is not the Super Bowl. We don't get a commercial and come back and toss the coin, Moses. Uh, we, we got parties we, to get to. We have parties to get to. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love this. Yeah, I, I checked out before. These parties are very important to so people. I, I know. I, we, we, pulled the, we pulled our staff here what they, where they were all going beforehand. Yes. And only one person. If you remember, one person said, I don't care about the Super Bowl. And it wasn't even me. But, (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, okay, so we show up at Mount Sinai. The Jewish people are all there. We're camped. And uh, Moses is going back and forth with God. And the first few days of the conversation, God tells Moses to tell the Jewish people they're going to observe how God speaks to Moses. Then the people say, one second, we want God to talk to us, which in itself is really beautiful and amazing. Like, if we came all the way out here and God's giving us a Torah, we all want to hear God speak, whether we could handle it, we can't handle it. Do we want to hear God speak or do we want to have and say in what he's going to share with us? Yes, I think they understood fairly well that they do not get a vote. This is not a democracy. Hey, this is God's law. No democracies on this okay. one. No voting, no uh, um, uh, amendments <laughs> to the Constitution. <laughs> no, that's okay. not happening. Got it. So once the people tell Moses that we want God to talk directly to us, so Moses goes back, tells God. That's what it says. God knew, but that's just to teach a lesson that you deliver a message once it's been uh, given to you. Your messenger, you deliver the message regardless if the person already heard about it. So God says, "Great, now you gotta prepare. You gotta, you gotta, you'll, you'll, you'll uh, purify yourselves. You'll clean your clothes. It'll be a holiday, and you're gonna build um, like barriers or at least um, posts around Mount Sinai, because when God's presence is gonna come down on the mountain, the mountain will be holy, and you're not allowed to go. Only Moses, Aaron, technically could. He did not." But no one else can go up the mountain. So we got to warn you that you have a place where you can go. Now, interesting enough, not only people couldn't go up on the mountain, animals also couldn't go up on the mountain, which, which, was a, which led to a 
question that I won a prize for when I was in sixth grade. And the question was, why no animals? No, the question was, how do you know Mount Sinai had grass and flowers? How do you know Mount Sinai had grass and flowers? Was it springtime? Um, it actually was, but it's in the middle of the desert. Uh, well, I understand. So the answer is, why would you have to tell the people that the animals can't go up the mountain? If there's nothing for them to eat, why would they want to? I would think they wanted to go up. The animals? For what? Not the an Well, the animal would follow the human. Well, we have two separate things here. We have okay. people can't go up. We're going to talk about that. Okay. We have animals. There's no grazing. Also can't so go there's up. no grazing. There's no food. Right, but it must be that there's something to graze that the animals should want to go up. But if the place is holy, they can't. Thank you. They can't go up. Which, by the way, is my lead-in to our peacock story from earlier. Well, okay, let's go back on the airline. Let's go back on the airline. So this wonderful lady, lady who needed a, again, I don't know why she chooses a peacock for a comfort animal. I don't know. I don't know what she was thinking. <laughs> I don't know who she is. But you see from here that you can't bring your animals everywhere you want. There are boundaries. There are places where they belong. And there are places where they don't belong. And especially if I'd be sitting on that plane, having wanna... a peacock next to me is not the place that the animal belongs. Or other animals, by the way. Well, the only animal that I could really see on an aircraft at all was a C&I dog. That's fair. That's the only... After that, and I've flown, as you know, everywhere. almost every week, seeing dogs for different reasons, little dogs, you know, under the seat and the cage. I don't understand it. I can't believe the airlines permit it. Um, and why do you have to bring your pet? You know, if, if that's the case, then take the auto, take some other fashion of transportation. But the airline is moving so quickly, and if there's an emergency, God forbid, and you have an evac situation, I can only imagine I've got to get my puppy, my cat, et cetera, which jams up the aisles, the, the, whole, the whole routine. So, yeah. But anyways, so that's, that's <laughs> why the animal. Now, people can't go up because when God's presence is, I hate to use the word, concentrated. Defined. God's presence is defined. Defined is a good word. Yeah. In a certain area, that area is too holy for a person to go. You're not allowed to be there. Correct. Now, what's fascinating is, unlike other religions, once God's presence disappears, it's not holy anymore. Now, have you ever been on Mount Sinai? No. No. It's in the middle of the Sinai Desert. Right. No, you I could. understand that. It's, I don't even think it's a big tourist attraction. People have gone, it's, but there's nothing holy about it. Right. It's only holy. We talked about this last week. Mm -hmm. uh, talked about the Red Sea where people saw God's presence, and they had to learn that once God's presence leaves, it's not holy anymore. There's other religions that if God did anything or the prophet did anything or, or any of those people did anything, it's holy forever. But in the Jewish religion, it's only holy if God's presence is there. Therefore, the Temple Mount still has God's presence. Yes. It's holy. Synagogue, study hall, God's presence is there. It's holy. Otherwise. So it's really not on the 18th green just before the putt when he says, God. Help me make this putt. Right. It's not, well, for some people, and it may the be there. And then the ball starts rolling. Rolling. I'm not a golfer, <laughs> but I can only imagine. 
I had I had some friends who were big golfers, and they uh, they they threatened to take me along. Then they realized <laughs> that I, if I swing the club, they'll be there for hours. They said, you know, maybe you you should stay home this week. Give me a prayer and make me happy. I've done that. Uh, I was not successful, mind you. <laughs> I, I think it was when the Tigers win the World Series. Okay. Am I, you bless the Tigers if they win. Charity. Mazel tov. It didn't work. No. <laughs> so I couldn't play both sides of the fence on that. That's uh, all right. You know. So we've listened to the father-in-law. We have, um, and, and things kind of come in a circle, and we've talked a little bit about Poland, and how we want to rewrite the words of the Holocaust, and you know the challenges of getting on aircraft with uh, people bringing their comfort animals. The big thing too is we as a Jewish people seem to always take on the obligation of taking care of others and making certain that communities strive to be healthy. And that's Tu B'Shvat in a sense, isn't it? Wow, you're skipping away a whole bunch of things, but you're worried about the Tu B'Shvat. I got to get the Tu B'Shvat. I got to get the Tu B'Shvat. So Tu B'Shvat is the the real idea. Tu B'Shvat, by the way, the the word Tu is actually taking two Hebrew letters. Right, One of make, them is to make, our... To make the number 15. To make the number 15. Right. So it's the 15th of this Hebrew month called Shvat. Right. And it, the main purpose of the holiday, it's not really, it's barely a holiday, is just to, to help us when we have to give the tithes, the, what's called truma and meiser. So you have to have a line, when does last year end? When does this year begin? That was really the main idea behind the line. However, it does say that it is a day that the trees are judged. Now, really, we're judged. It's just what's going to happen to the trees. But people have looked at Tu Bishvat, and I think for a good reason, and we talked about it a little bit before, going up north, enjoying nature. God put a lot of beautiful things in this world. You should check them out. And my wife makes fun of me. that There could be a piece of chocolate cake on the counter, which I'll have. Of course. But after I have my piece of chocolate cake, I do like to have a fruit. There's what to be said to enjoy something sweet that came off a tree. There's what to be said. We don't say, I can't enjoy this, I can't enjoy that. Uh, I, I'm not a monk hiding somewhere or, or a nun. I, I'm allowed to enjoy the world. I was put here in this world, and I am so, in, a, in a permissible way. I am supposed to enjoy the world I'm in. And I think Tu Bishvat helps us focus on it. We, we, people eat all kinds of fruits. They'll have fruit baskets. They'll give out fruit baskets. As a child, I don't know if you're familiar with this word. The word is buktzer. You ever heard that word? It's probably a Yiddish word. It is a Yiddish word, but go on. It's carob. Car- it's the car- It's the carob from the carob trees, mm-hmm. which people, by the way, allergic to chocolate will eat carob. So when it grows very sweet, very sticky type of Like fruit, a bonding material. Yeah, so usually you can't like ship it. It would just spoil. So they, 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 um, they dry it out, and it becomes hard like a rock. Now, I don't know once it's hard like a rock. You could grind it up like for a chocolate mm-hmm. type of powder. But um, when I grew up in school, every Tubishvat, they gave us a white lunch bag with rock-hard <laughs> carob. Rock hard. I think they gave the same ones out every year. You took it and you tried to bite it if you didn't break your teeth. That's my memories growing up in school of Tubishvat. Well, but there's another part of Tubishvat, and that has to do with the four year cycle on planting. 
Yes. That was very good. How'd you know that? It's my job to share this information with you. All right, so it happens like this. Um, the first three years that a – not that a tree produces fruit. The first three years of a tree, any fruit produced, we don't eat. It happens to be called Arla. Um, if, you would, if you were to replant a tree, the three-year cycle starts again. So, again, Tu Bishvat is used as the line to delineate – when the first year ends and the second year begins. And then there's a fourth year where that fruit in those days was brought up to Jerusalem. Right. So you always had, you were forever getting fruit just being brought up to Jerusalem, and you can't even sell it. So everybody's just there getting beautiful fruits. And you have to think about how it works. The farm has been working for a couple of years to produce his fruit, and the first thing he has to do with his fruit, when it's edible is to bring it up to Jerusalem and share. Correct. So it becomes it. a very beautiful... Oh, it is. It's, you know, it's a festival. You know, the, the Jewish religion is very unique. We have holidays and yes. we have festivals. Holidays and festivals. Okay. So would you classify this more of the festival or would you classify this more of the holiday? You know, it's probably more like a festival. It's not, there's no real laws that apply, it's not a Passover with my unleavened bread and my matzah. It's not a Sukkot holiday where I'm, I'm shaking my etrog or I'm sitting in a hut in the sukkah. It's not Hanukkah where I'm lighting my candles. There's really nothing to be done, again, except where I went to school, you got to bite into the bucket. Buck, that's it. And then coming up in a couple of shows from now, um, we're going to have another holiday coming up. Purim. Purim. Yeah, we got Purim coming up again. There's laws there and giving fruit baskets or, or presents to people and charity. But there's rules and regulations to that holiday. There's really no rules and regulations. And as this holiday comes and goes, and most people don't even notice they miss Do you it. Remember, I can remember growing up where we would, get, we would bring a dime to Hebrew school. And we would get a stamp for our book. For and at the end, when we made the whole tree with the leaves. You bought a tree? We then buy the tree from the Jewish National Fund. That's very good. I have some of those. I lost the paper. I got that. But I have trees. Because I've been in Israel. I keep looking for my tree with my name. Right. So I, I think it said on my paper where they planted my yeah, tree. They do. It does say? They do. Like uh, B'nai B'rith in the Martyr's Forest, you can go in. You can actually go in and check the registry of what row and where the tree was originally planted. Oh, that's so cool. I mean, yeah. my tree should be pretty big. Because my aunt gave it to me for a bar mitzvah present. Oh, very nice. See, so there's some big, unless there was a fire in one of those well. fires. But hopefully there's a humongous tree waiting for me to check it out. You know, I got to tell you, there, there's so many things that we do in this one-hour show of ours. You know, you do such a great job sharing with everybody the holidays coming up, um, the history of the Torah. But the one thing that we've missed so far today? My letter. Your letter. My letter of the Your week. Your letter. I'm waiting for the letter. Kelsey, are you ready for our letter of the week? Kelsey is nodding. Well, I hope somebody's nodding because we not not nodding off either. No, no, we no, need no. that. Hey, oh, the letter hey, is the there. letter's there. Very, Very simple vov. letter this week. Yes. This letter is a vov. For all intents and purposes, it's a straight line. Well, it's straight line, but it's got a little, little bulb little, on little, top. Little bulb left side. Like a little on top. It's got like that little right. block, yeah. but it's really a straight line. Now, what's fascinating with this letter is if you were to open a Torah scroll, and I don't know, I should know, but I don't remember, however many columns there are in a Torah scroll, there are only six 
that do not start with this letter. And actually, of those six, one of those six also is this letter. It just it had to be that word. So the vav is, is a connecting letter. It actually means the letter by itself has a translation. Do you know what it means? No, I'm listening. It means and. It's a right. connecting letter. Right. So it's also, by the way, the, let, the word vav, which is not my no, word of the no. week, but the word vav actually means hook, which is sort of what the, the letter looks like. The design looks like. Right. looks like a hook right. because it's connecting one column to the next column to the next column. The numerical value is six. It can hint to the 600,000 left Egypt. Um, six million. Six million. It can hint to the six um, sections of the, of the oral law. It's a very it's a it's a fascinating letter. It even has yeah. a power, which now is not the time or place, but in Hebrew in Torah grammar, it has the ability to change future to past tense and past tense to future, which I teach my third graders, and it's just about the level of what they can handle. Well, one of the things that I, I think would be great for our listening audience and our viewing, because we do audio and visual here, sure, is to bring a yad. And explain what a yad is to sure. everybody. And then we will make a copy, in a sense, of what the Torah looks like, uh, a page. Sure, sure. So they can see firsthand, in a sense, how the Vav starts, wh- why we use a yad when we talk about the Torah. See, a lot of our listeners think we just take our finger, we follow it along on the line. But in reality, our hands never touch Right, we don't touch the Torah scroll. There's right. a, even a holiness to the Torah scroll that you want to follow along, you use. Now, Peter keeps using the word yad, which would be a great word for our letter yod, uh, but it's, a, it's a, a pointer. Right. And my children make me buy them because they claim it helps them follow in school better. And, uh, and the, the yad, is for, the, for our listening audience at New Radio Media, again, it's like a hand that's cr- kind of curled with one finger forward. Right, that's usually how they design it. It doesn't right. have to be No, that I way. understand. It's and if you're a, left-handed, it's a little different. It's off-centered. You just flip <laughs> it over and, you know, I know how it works. But i got to get to this week's word because, okay, go you know, a lot of people are getting ready for an unusual holiday coming up. And the advertisers have done an excellent job. Super Bowl. Well, they've done a great job on that because you see everybody's buying food for this party. And it's I have, don't we have somebody walking around here with a jersey? Did we yes. not see somebody walk we around? We did see somebody with And he Eagles. believes, he believes yes. that we're going to give him the blessing for the Philadelphia victory. Is he paying us for this blessing? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, you know, do, I mean, do I only collect after I after, win? Yeah, after the wins, yes. That's how my other guys do. That's right. We should warn him. I, I didn't do well last time. I know, so. But, you know, 50-50, there's always a. He's got a shot. He's got a shot. But anyways, we have the Valentine's holiday coming up. That, yes, we do. February 14th. February 14th. And they've already started advertising and the chocolates and the flowers. Um, it always reminds you of a story with flowers. It um, also reminds me of an incident in Chicago. Why? That was the massacre. St. Valentine's Day massacre. Oh, okay. That was. Okay. See, why is everybody, different things hit their head. That doesn't hit my mind. <laughs> but Okay. <laughs> What hits my mind yes. is uh, when I would bring my wife flowers. And I'll go to the store and you pick very pretty and colorful and this. And I bring her a bouquet of flowers. And she says to me, you know, if you want to pick the flowers, just remember you're buying them for yourself. If you want to get flowers for me, this is what I like. Just get me my roses. Hmm. So I said, oh. Until, of course, roses fall out of favor. And then it's the next 
the next flavor the next of the flavor month. Flavor of the month. So I tell her, I said, just go buy your own flowers for your anniversary because <laughs> <laughs> I'll pretend that I'm giving them to you, but you don't like my flowers. So this week's word of the week, and hopefully this story will help you remember, is vered. A vered is a rose. I don't even know if the word comes up in the Torah itself. Certainly not in the five books. I've never seen it. But it is a Hebrew word. I had a friend whose sister had that name. I hope she still has that name. I just haven't seen them in a while. Uh, But a vered is usually a rose. And again, I told you to vav is not a common, there's not too many common words that begin with that letter. And some will tell you that there's really no real words in Hebrew that begin or have a root with that, with a vav being the first letter. So, but we found one. We did. Right on time. Perfect timing. Talking about timing with my day running down, time running out, we got to, and you reviewed for everybody. That was like almost unfair. Well, you know. But let's see if they paid attention. So, Tony, what did you learn today? I thought the uh, the holiday Tubishvat is very interesting, actually. Uh, so it's kind of like a thank. Well, not even a holiday, a festival. Festival, but, good. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. So it's more of like a Thanksgiving type. But there's no family party. Again, I know Super Bowl time. We're having parties. We're getting ready to eat. People might have fruit by Svardim. North, mm-hmm. North African, Moroccan people are very into having all kinds of fruits, but there's no official party. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. That's good. I like the thing about the tree too. That was uh, that was kind of interesting. So they plant a tree back in Israel. Oh, the that, oh, yeah. Jewish National Fund, Jewish right? National Fund. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's like still a one of the. It's still it's phenomenal what they did. They that's, took you take desert land, and you've turned it into a forest. That's really cool. Which they're amazing at. Is Kelsey still there? Did you learn anything today? Or you were busy? I've been pretty busy back here, but I was paying attention. Cool. What'd you learn? I like that you and your family went and shut off your electricity and your phones and stuff and actually spent quality time together because I do that with my family when we go up north. We cool. don't touch our phones. We don't have service. We talk to each other. We play games. We make food together. I mean, I it's eat amazing. with my family every night anyway, but to not have that cell phone service up there sometimes is almost relieving. It's fantastic. Now, by the way, we weren't so clear. Every week, I turn off all my electricity. But when we go up north, so the kids don't have their friends, we're just in this farmhouse. So we just do it quick. Peter, before we end off, well, what did you learn? What did I learn? First of all, it's not so much what, what I learned, but what we shared with everybody today, that the father-in-law <laughs> does actually play an important role in the life of so many people, including Moses. Amazing, amazing. As our time is running down, and it's we go so fast, Peter. I know. I didn't <laughs> even get to touch on the fact how God speaking to three million people, everybody saw give the Torah is is really one of the is the most important day in history, certainly for the Jews, but really for other religions as well. Well tell you what, we'll make that a lead story next week. We can try that next week. So, I do want to thank everyone. Thank you, our wonderful sponsors, our listeners. Of course, I couldn't do it without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team. The team is getting bigger. We have Drew and Tony and Ashley and Kelsey here this week. Peter, again, I thank you for coming down. Until next week, I am Rabbi C. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on New Radio Media. And until next week, don't forget to think about it. Thank you.